Hello, and welcome to EdTech Coast to Coast, brought to you by the K-12 Blueprint and produced by Clarity Innovations. Each month, we talk with EdTech influencers on the vanguard of 21st century teaching and learning. We'll share the latest EdTech information and insights so that professionals just like you can help build a brighter future for students. Last time, we talked with Lila Bullman, Business Program Manager for Minecraft Education and founder of the Florida Scholastic Esports League. Lila discussed the academic and social-emotional power of Scholastic Esports, how interested educators can become dynamic esports coaches, and the vital entrepreneurship skills students can learn while participating in the esports ecosystem. Today, Lila will continue to share her knowledge of Scholastic Esports by revealing how schools can justify funding an esports team through the alignment of CTE pathways. Most esports arenas uh, actually are shared devices and shared labs. It typically occur in either media centers, which are these underutilized real estate, right? Oftentimes in school, they have a lot of devices because they do a lot of testing there, or they'll be in computer labs, oftentimes born out of like, you know, graphic design teacher or IT teacher or network administrator teacher rooms where they have access to devices. But you don't have to have a lot of equipment, by the way, to have an esports uh, team, although it certainly does help. So um, you went, when wanting to build out, uh, if a district administrator or principal wants to have an esports team, working through CTE is uh, where I would start because the number of different kinds of roles and skills that are grown in esports align to many CTE pathways, right? We spoke about, for example, um, organizers. Well, that's hotel and uh, event management. Certainly IT and CTE, that's a, you know, technology and computer science is central to the software industry and the gaming industry, right? So there's game design teachers or there's um, animation teachers. Those are those make great esports coaches and their rooms and facilities make a lot of sense as well. So we've seen that in the high school space, uh, uh, certainly CTE and those um, shared labs make a lot of sense. In the middle school space, and even we're seeing an upper elementary, they can happen in the classroom because the needs are, are, are lower in terms of the tech that's required. But so in middle school, we see the popularity of Rocket League. You don't need a lot of CPU for that. And with now with the ubiquity of one-to-one, -one, kids can utilize their laptops and there's going to be cloud-based gaming. They can utilize their laptops or even mobile-based gaming to have their team. You want to be able to have as many experiences as possible to, to meet kids where, they're, where their interests lie. Next, Lila explains how Scholastic Esports proved pandemic-proof, connecting kids so that they could compete and celebrate alongside their peers. So when COVID occurred uh, last March, we were in the we were had just launched the spring tournament with League of Legends, and the you know the games had to go on, and they did. And in fact, they were the rivalries between schools that typically occur in other kinds of sports were alive and well, and they were literally the only game in town. And what while that's a great story, right, in terms of um, the fact that kids were um, still playing, more importantly, kids were still connected because they had they had nowhere to go so how are you going to hang out with your friends i mean i went to school to hang out with my friends school the, the i don't know about anybody else i mean the, the teacher part was really great and the class was great i learned a lot but i wanted to hang with my friends and that's where i also grew socially right i learned about the rules of engagement if you will in those high school hallways and that was missing for a whole year for so many students and continues to be missing um 
esports allow kids to feel like they were still in school. They still had, they could still compete and have a, a school rival. They could still win. They could still have a celebration. And those are really positive and important stories when there were so many difficult difficulties and so many challenging experiences and frankly so much sadness, right, for many students this year. So it, um, yeah, it, it played and it played really well. We're going to have, there'll be more waves, we, you know, unfortunately, we're not totally out of the woods. And we've learned a lot in this last year uh, about the kind of support mechanisms that students need uh, to be successful. And esports is a way for students, no matter where they are, to remain connected to the school. And, you know, listen, if you really want to play and compete and you need to have a 2.0 and, and, and great attendance, that's a, that's a huge driver for a lot of kids. You know, they'll say, okay, well, my grades have to be up. I want, I'm the captain of the team. I can't miss class. I got to have my camera on and take notes or whatever the requirements are. And they'll do it because they want to be on their team. They want to bring home the prizes. So if you're a CIO and you're thinking about should you, um, you know, build an arena, you don't have to build an arena, but have a pretty robust uh, shared space. For devices for students to come and practice scrimmage uh build and be entrepreneurs and it, you can and you can do that through esports next we dig deeper into the research supporting scholastic esports and its impact on learning lila discusses how esports develop future ready skills and empower kids who have never competed at school before the, the key researcher with NASEP is uh, Dr. Constance Seinkuler. So she's professor of informatics at the, the University of California at Irvine. And what she focuses on is um, the, the impact. Uh, she, she, she has many areas of interest. In fact, she used to be the head of gaming for the Obama administration uh, in OSCP. She came up with you know, the, that esports uh, policy, which there was one in gaming policy in the, in, under Obama. And at UCI, she, her, her area of research has really been about the impact of video gaming and esports on, on learning. And so in NASEF, you know, she was given a grant by the Samueli Foundation for three-year studies, an IRB-approved study, so it's independent, right, totally independent of NASEF, to study the impact of NASEF's curriculum on students, on teachers, and on parents, and specifically around um, STEM, uh, STEM learning, uh, social-emotional learning. And the research, she's now in her third year, has been remarkable. So I think, you know, we, she just finished now, um, the, a, you know, double-blind study. So that's, if you know about those kinds of studies, pretty hard. Um, and finding that the hypotheses that we had, which was by bringing together kids to be able to play on virtual teams, but also kind of own their team to manage their teams and have all of these access to, to develop skills that are really future facing and future ready, like around IT or around data analytics, that they would grow, that those skills would transfer to the kinds of things that are measurable by a superintendent, right? Which is, are you going to school? Are you graduating higher? Are your, is your GPA higher? Do you really want to continue studying STEM? Um, do you think STEM is valuable? Those kinds of questions are the questions that she was asking. And she's finding that, yes, it does. It does do that. Just like we had hypothesized and built on previous um, work around game-based learning, like for example, like Dr. G, right? That says what, 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 what's proven that game-based learning impacts students positively in terms of their ability to succeed and have achievement. So, um, you know, that, that 
that is esports valuable? Absolutely. Is it as valuable as other types of game-based learning? You betcha. And is it valuable for kids and how they entertain themselves and is it growing? And is it a direct pathway to skills that are valued in the marketplace? Yes. And if you can do that as a school, if you can provide those experiences right now uh, to students, why wouldn't you, right? Number one, the research backs it up, but also because you're reaching out to kids that haven't had access before. So, you know, for the last like 10 years, we've been talking about STEM, STEAM, STEM, STEAM, you know, STEM, CT, STEM, computer science. And we've been hit, you know, we haven't moved the needle as much as we would like, despite all of that investment. We, we, said we, we tend to, you know, really keep addressing the same kids. Well, you know, why aren't girls learning to code as quickly as boys, for example? What's, you know, this is, these are the questions that we're asking now. And um, we have seen that for the most disenfranchised students, for the most marginalized students, for frankly, our poorest students, that they haven't been able to ride that STEM wave and so part of the investment by the Samueli Foundation and NASAF in dysclassic esports was to reach out beyond this, the same kids that were going to be doing robotics anyway and go to get those kids that are sitting by themselves playing a game or up all night and, have, and, and prefer their, their friends on their, in their esports team versus the friends that they have at school. And so what we've been able to develop in NASAF is a place for these students. I mean, you now belong. You have a team and your team is awesome and you have a room. You belong. It's inclusive. Everybody is welcome and anybody is welcome. EdTech Coast to Coast is a production of Clarity Innovations for the K-12 Blueprint. Be sure to visit the K-12 Blueprint at www.k12blueprint.com for the latest research data, device information, best practices, and deployment strategies showing real-world results in districts just like yours. And to help educators keep pace with current educational practices, the K-12 Blueprint provides robust toolkits loaded with vital resources, each focusing on a critical challenge. Let's hear more from Lila about how Scholastic Esports support equity, getting more students participating so that they grow and thrive. A report just came out this week um, from the software, I think the Entertainment Software Association that was showing that in this last year, the growth in esports was just massive. And you know, we know a lot of that is COVID related because you know, we were, people were at home and they were replacing entertainment with scholastic, well, with esports. And while probably the rate of growth like that, you know, that we experienced in this last year will not be sustained, certainly, the popularity of esports will be continuing to grow. And as it grows, so will the opportunities for students to have, you know, really, um, you know, satisfying and, and successful careers uh, in that space, which is where the, the, my interest is, right, which is about scholastic esports. It's connecting a passion that you have uh, for, a, you know, a really powerful future for yourself, right? And so I, you know, I, what I foresee is that schools will continue to, you know, a year and a half ago, they were dipping their toes. Now we're seeing, now we have, I think, 35 statewide leagues across the country that are just NASEF leagues. And there are other, there are other organizations that offer esports as well. Um, and I think that the questions around 
communication and data privacy and devices, all of those questions are now being addressed at a high level by CIOs and CTOs in schools because they know the demand is there. Also, it's a lot cheaper than having a football team. Uh, so frankly, and you can hit more, you have more kids because a club can have 20 teams. You have a team for every title. So, you know, the equity is not just a, a buzzword. It's real. And we're, because we can have so many more students participating and feeling like they belong to their school. And we know when kids belong, they grow and thrive, then it's successful. So uh, I foresee a really a shining future, a growing future for Scholastic Esports, not just in the after school environment, which we know is kind of where a lot of people start, but really in the classroom day. And what that means is that teachers are utilizing curriculum, for example, in a CTE class where they're doing game design, maybe that's a game that's being designed that they're competing in in the afternoon. In the afternoon. So um, it's going to be, it's going to continue to grow. Uh, kids are going to continue to be entertained by it. Uh, they're going to want to continue to create content around it. Uh, I think that, you know, we've seen that we can stream and we're, we can binge watch and that kind of behavior was already happening in the esports world. Uh, but now kids are feeling much more ownership and there's a lot more ubiquity and access to those kinds of platforms for kids to create their own content. Uh, and they want to be content creators. And then for those that uh, need to learn about the cybersecurity uh, around esports or how to build these awesome sizzly events, you know, how do you get access to those kinds of experiences? Well, through your school. I've even had conversations with um, the directors of economic development for a number of different cities as they explore what does esports mean for their city's growth. Whether, you know, before it was, well, how many millions of dollars do we have to invest to go and build an, an, a you know, multi-billion dollar bond or multi-million dollar bond for a, a football stadium, right? That now you can have multiple arenas. And not only are these places for kids to convene or people to convene and entertain themselves, but they're building games and they're building a whole ecosystem of businesses around that. So cities are really very interested in well as well. I think it's just going to continue to grow and be successful. It's a new form of entertainment. People like it. I think that they said today, 70% um, of students, so kids under the age of 18, are playing esports. 75% uh, of all American households have at least one gamer in their household. Uh, and there's 241 million gamers in the United States. And by the way, of that, 46 million of those uh, gamers that I mentioned in the United States are uh, disabled. So we haven't talked about the disabled gamers or and other groups within the gaming industry. The idea that it's just like this, like kind of you know, guy, macho guy playing is not the reality. Um, in Minecraft, it's 50-50. In other types of esports, I think it's like 59-41 in terms of gender identification between uh, men and women. And we have groups that are, are, you know, demanding their space and ability to play because they can play uh, and be highly successful uh, with, their, with their disabilities as well. So it's opened up a whole new um, space for people to compete and win and play and, and connect. Thank you, Lila, for taking the time to share those remarkable insights into Scholastic Esports. We'll see you next time here at EdTech Coast to Coast. Until then, keep learning. <laughs>